Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Investing is not easy. It's an active business that requires continuous improvement of systems and processes. It also comes with risks that you need to understand and quantify. On today's show, we're talking about one of the biggest risks to a short-term rental property. Last week, Dallas City Council voted to outlaw short-term rentals in residential zones. You wake up the next morning and realize you're potentially out of business. Naturally, there's a lineup of lawsuits arrayed against the city. When the city allows a specific use on a property and then changes the permitted uses, that could be considered similar to a condemnation. Condemnation is similar to a claim of eminent domain, in which the state takes a property from an owner for the greater public good. This is usually for things like building a new road or maybe an airport, something that would benefit the community at large. In the case of eminent domain, the owner of the property is entitled to just compensation. The courts have been pretty clear and consistent about enforcing private property rights and ensuring that owners get fair or just compensation. But when a property has a precedent set for prior use, and that use is disallowed, which affects the value of the property, it can be argued that the government is not respecting property rights and is seizing a property without just compensation. The city acknowledged they will need to come up with an ordinance that would survive a legal challenge. Now, short-term rentals will still be allowed in neighborhoods with multifamily dwellings and commercial zones, but the city council added new restrictions. Short-term rental properties must register with the city each year and pay the same kind of taxes and fees that hotels pay to operate. In 2019, Dallas had a few dozen short-term rentals in residential areas. Today, there's more than a thousand. Short-term rentals in very large homes with multiple bedrooms tend to attract large groups. Sometimes it's a large family, but more often it's for a special event like a wedding or bachelorette party. These events can be very disruptive for neighbors who thought they were buying into a residential neighborhood. Residential short-term rentals are sometimes used for prostitution, for drug trafficking, and for filming adult films. Sometimes they're used for swinger parties. These uses were probably never contemplated by the homeowner when they decided to put the property into the short-term rental market. When they get complaints from the neighbors, the owners are usually mortified and apologetic, but they also realize they don't have the tools to prevent it from happening again. This is a situation where both sides have a legitimate grievance. The other thing to remember is that the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex consists of more than 200 separately incorporated cities and towns. This event at Dallas City Council serves as a warning for owners of short-term rentals that rules can change. You might have bought a property with the assumption that you would be allowed to host short-term rentals, and if the rules change, you might be forced into financial trouble. A long-term rental could result in negative cash flow, and now you're stuck with a property that you can't rent and you can't make money with. The patchwork of regulations varies from one community to the next. For example, Arlington, Texas, which is home to the Dallas Cowboys Stadium and the Texas Ranger Stadium, does allow short-term rentals, provided they're registered and pay an annual license fee, paying hotel occupancy taxes. That short-term rental ordinance was passed in 2019. These changes are not limited to big cities. The western part of Quebec, within an hour of where I live, has seen short-term rentals banned completely in cottage country. Owners who were previously accustomed to enjoying fifty to $70,000 a year in income were suddenly forced out of business. Will the court challenges of the new rules prevail? It's too early to say. 
There's more than 2 million short-term rentals in the United States. Some of these properties rent for only a few days a year. Others are dedicated to the short-term rental business. Some cities allow for short-term rentals, but they limit the number of days per year. That's designed to reduce the economic benefit of a short-term rental, bring it in line with the income of a long-term rental. All of the things being equal, the long-term rental is a lot less labor-intensive than a short-term rental, and somehow owners might be incented to keep it in the long-term rental market as opposed to removing it from the housing stock and attracting a transient population. The other risk in short-term rentals is maintenance costs. Short-term rentals experience a lot more wear and tear than the average home. Residential-grade furniture cannot be expected to survive. It's often worn out in two years or less. If you're serious about being in the hospitality business, you're going to need to invest in commercial-grade furniture that can withstand the heavy daily use of a short-term rental. That's particularly important for things like dining room chairs, which experience very heavy use, often for three meals a day. The short-term rental industry has attracted a wide spectrum of players, ranging from the highly professional to the absolute rank amateurs that have no idea what they're doing. If you own short-term rentals or if you're considering entering the short-term rental business, this is an area where you're definitely going to want to do some study and really do your due diligence. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.